This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. One night at uh, one of the monasteries where I trained, the monks stayed up late, later than they were supposed to. Uh, so they, they were kind of sneaking around. And two of them, an older monk and a younger monk, uh, older in years, but they had entered the monastery at the same time, started getting into an argument. Uh, we all had our, our flashlights. That was you know, So we're all sitting in this kind of dark room. And they started getting into an argument about whether uh, Buddhism should be a platform for political action. And the older monk, who had been involved in some political action when he was younger, felt very strongly that that was part of his path and that he should be expressing the Dharma in that way. And, and the younger monk felt that that was misguided. And this conversation escalated and escalated. And, and finally, it turned into a full-on fist fight. And they were <laughs> fist fight slash judo match. And they were, they were wrapped around each other like cats and punching each other and flipping each other around the room. And it was all very hard to track because the, the lighting was so strange and, and I, I was a bit taken aback. I'd seen it escalate, but I did not see this coming. And I, I turned to another monk and I, I said, should we do something? And he said, ah, at least they're fighting about the Dharma. <laughs> and I thought that's true. It could have been something worse. Uh, tonight we reach the eighth awakening of great beings. Um, again, reminding ourselves that if we get stuck on the idea of great beings, none of this will be of any use to us at all. These are the eight awakenings of grown-ups, of true adults in the world, which are rare. The eighth awakening seems kind of mundane. The Eighth Awakening is not to be engaged in hollow discussions. It is to experience realization and be free from discriminatory thinking with thorough understanding of the true mark of all things. The Buddha said, Monks, if you get into hollow discussions, your mind will be scattered. Then you will be unable to attain liberation, even if you have left the household, meaning even if you have become a monk. So you should immediately leave behind scattered mind and hollow discussions. If you wish to attain the joy of serenity, you need to cure the sickness of hollow discussions. We should keep in mind, first of all, that he's directing this to monks in a monastery whose only real form of entertainment is talking. And so if if people in that atmosphere are to be sidetracked, that's how it's going to happen. They're going to get stuck in conversations that are outside their chosen path. But for us, we can understand that this can have a much wider meaning. We have to ask ourselves, what is a hollow discussion? I had to look it up. I had to look up the the original 
characters because it, it, it's such an interesting phrase. And if we were to translate it more literally, we might say that it's not to engage in debate or discussion as entertainment. That's a little bit different, maybe, than hollow. But hollow is useful as well. This makes some sense, I think, in terms of the internet. Well, not some. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. That not only can we engage with people through that medium uh, in a way that is purely for play, and in many cases purely for uh, our own entertainment, but also that we, we give ourselves a little bit of license in how we participate. We can be, at best, maybe a little bit curt on the internet, and at worst, we can be the embodiment of all the things that we actually dislike the most in other people. There's there's this phrase that we hear sometimes where someone says, I just, I just had to say something. Mm -hmm. It's rarely true. <laughs> There's a teaching that says that, that we should express one in ten of the things that we want to. That's a pretty low number. I don't think I'm there. I'm kind of a talker. But I can see the value. And I think that this is, this is particularly useful if we're, we're coming at it from this original translation perspective in the context of debate, in the context of argument. Why do we enter into debate? Why do we enter into argument? The easy answer, often, is simply that we do so in order to win. But that rarely happens. Even if you thought you won, you probably didn't win. I, I've had so few conversations in my life, or so few debates in my life, when I finally stepped back and said, Oh, yes! You were completely right. And I was fundamentally mistaken from the beginning. Thank you for enlightening me. So, I just want to offer a suggestion or a possibility, which is the next time that you feel yourself entering into an argument or entering into a debate, when you feel that escalation happening, stop for a moment and tell yourself very directly, I will not win this. And see if that changes the way that you engage. It's not to say that the conversation has to stop. But just give up winning from the beginning. And see what your alternate definition of success might become. That's one side. 
But I also really like this translation, hollow discussion. We can focus on this notion of hollowness. I'm constantly telling my kids, especially my son, that there are many foods that are not really foods. <laughs> a Cheeto is not a food. That there's a difference between something that you can digest and something that you can metabolize. The fact that it can pass through doesn't mean it's a food. But those kinds of foods, quote-unquote foods, are exactly the foods that leave us wanting more. It's the nature of potato chips that you can't stop eating them. Even though they're giving you nothing, you're left hollow and desperate at the same time. You have to make a conscious choice to say, I'm going to just stop. I'm terrible about this. If I go to a party and there's a, some dip, I'll just go straight to it and I'll stand there for two hours talking to people and I won't even notice. These things are so addictive and conversations can be like this. Any kind of conversation, even a one-sided conversation. I am endlessly fascinated by entertainment news. I love to read about movies that are going to come out. I, I love to read about uh, some TV show that failed. I don't watch TV, and I almost never get to go to movies. But for some reason, this just captivates me. This is also a discussion. It's a dialogue in which I'm not really... I'm, I'm not saying anything, but I'm fully present for it. I could choose anything else. But I hear that there's some movie coming out in 2018 and I just have to know. That too is hollow. Gossip is hollow. And it's addictive. Complaining is hollow. And complaining is addictive. Complaining is a pattern that we adopt. And it can be very hard to get out. Speculation is hollow, and speculation is also addictive. The counterpoint to being fed the discussion, for example, with a magazine, is the kind of conversation that you have in your head all the time, in which you are feeding a conversation and you're the only party. I've talked about this at some length in the past. But we are so full of memories and we have such a rich capacity to tweak them and to say, what if I had done this? What if I had done this? Or very rarely to kid on one that was actually really good on its own 
and just to replay it over and over. And then, depending on your temperament, to look to the future and to think either of all the bad things that could happen to you or to think of all the things you would do when you win the lottery. We can spend our whole lives just having those conversations with ourselves, those speculative conversations, those what-if conversations. And we can miss so much by doing so. I know that I have missed a lot by doing so. None of these conversations are nourishing. All of them leave us hollow. In the monastery, there were rooms where we weren't allowed to speak at all. The, what they call the hato, which is the Dharma hall. The sodo, which is where people sit and sleep and eat. And the bath. And the bath, the other two seem kind of obvious. You know, they're kind of sacred spaces. The bath, specifically, was a forbidden zone for conversation because that's where everybody wants to talk. Because it's, it's group bathing, right? And everybody relaxes and they get in there and they start telling jokes and they start telling stories and people say, where are you from? And it becomes this very loose thing. So they say, well, just this one place. We're going to cut it off. The rule in the rooms where we could speak was that we could only discuss the Dharma. Which brings us back to the story of the fist fight. They were within the rules. That's an interesting policy uh, to limit yourself to only certain kinds of conversation. But of course, discussions of the Dharma can also be as hollow as anything else. Debates about the Dharma can be fantastically hollow. Uh, if you'd like to check up on that, you can look on Reddit uh, for confirmation. And so it's not, in my mind, about speaking about a particular thing or avoiding a particular kind of conversation, but about being honest about what we're feeding. And it's also up to us, particularly in this tradition, to really explore silence. until we get a taste for how filling it can be. There are a few words finish this text. I won't read all of them, but a couple highlights. Uh, Dogen writes, these are the eight awakenings. Each awakening contains all eight. Thus, there are 64 awakenings. We could do this all year. When awakenings are practiced thoroughly, their number is countless. But when they are practiced in summary, there are 64. And if you recall from the first night that we talked about this, this was the last teaching of the Buddha before he passed away. He said, at midnight of the 15th day of the second month, Monks, you should always endeavor wholeheartedly to search for the way of liberation. All things in the world, whether they are in motion or not, 
are insecure and bound to decay. Now, here it gets very clear, now, all of you, be quiet. Do not speak. Time is passing, and I am going to cross over. This is my last admonition to you. And without saying anything further, he passed away. I love this. The last thing he said was, Don't say anything. But then you have to say something. We know we're stuck. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.